Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 3rd of November, 2020, and we're back with Election Day. Actually, we're back with episode 164, no, 168, uh, but it is Election Day, and as much as I wanted to do a special podcast about Election Day here in the U.S., um, and I say in the U.S., let's be honest, today's election uh, doesn't just affect the 340 million or so Americans, but really pretty much every living, breathing human in the world, and indeed even above it, orbiting the Earth. So, um, yeah, obviously it's a really big deal. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that, though, because I didn't really have a succinct way to loop it into our usual discussions on all things autonomous vehicles and mobility and so forth. I will, however, uh, drop a small plug to an article that I did accidentally end up writing, um... I was very, very tempted to just sort of read it verbatim as an episode for today. I thought it was quite appropriate, well, due to the timing, but as I say, it, it, it's not sufficiently linked to the usual nature of this podcast. Uh, instead, however, um, so, so look, let me just back up for a moment. So a, a few weeks ago, I was uh, sharing a few social media just comments, and little by little, I started doing more and more research, and well, long story short, these comments ended up blowing up into a huge article that I ended up publishing on Medium. The title is The Dunning-Kruger Effect, This is Why Voting is Broken in America. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to read it to you, but if you do want to give it a read, uh, head on over to Medium. Uh, they've finally cleaned up their URLs, so it's really easy to find. It's just my name, so markhogue.medium.com. It should be the most recent article you see there. I just published it a day ago, and it's been um, growing quite steadily. People do seem to like it quite a bit. So head on over, give it a read. Uh, if you have any thoughts, certainly, as always, feel free to reach out to me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. Uh, otherwise, shoot me an email, reach out on LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, more than happy to have a chat with you about that. But anyway, we are not going to talk about that now, because instead what we have is episode 168. Today... Mercedes-Benz gives up on full self-driving cars. What will AVs actually look like in the future? How should they be designed? And let's talk about the timelines of autonomous vehicles. I mean, really dive in and unpack them. All this right now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, uh, this is interesting. Mercedes-Benz have officially announced to the world that they, quote-unquote, can no longer win. They were, of course, referring to the autonomous car race. They have essentially tossed in the towel and given up. They are saying that this is not for them. This is not what they can do. They don't have the competence to do it. 
and they are officially done and out of the race. They have effectively retired from the AV competition. This is a really weird thing. It's also a bit of an alarming thing. Um, I'm not even really sure where to start. So, okay, let's start with the alarming thing. It's alarming because, I mean, this is Mercedes-Benz here. This is one of the, if not the greatest automotive manufacturer of all time. It's certainly the oldest. Um, so, so the idea that they've actually just kind of given up, that's weird. What's even weirder is the fact that they have announced this to the world with some extravagant sort of press release, right? And it's just bizarre to 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 kind of put this sort of a spin on it. So to elaborate um, what they've what they've said in, in more full detail, the conversation to a mobility provider is a thing of the past. We will move away from it again. You can't make money with offers like car sharing. Our Investors not only expect sales, but also, above all, profit. I mean, yeah, that's true. And if they did this right, they would have tremendous profits. Thing is, though, it gets even weirder, because if you remember, they had actually previously announced with BMW this partnership where they were going to effectively collaborate and sort of co-develop autonomous driving software. If this seems a bit weird to you, or perhaps you've not even heard about this, there's a good reason for this. It's because neither Mercedes nor BMW do this stuff. I mean, they they kind of do, depending on where along the spectrum of ADAS capabilities you, you, you want to rank them and the degree to which uh, a competency of ADAS functionality rises to the level of so-called autonomous driving software. Mercedes certainly have a Perfectly decent enough system. We had it, my wife and I, on our now four-year-old Mercedes GLC that we had a lease for three years. I mean, that was perfectly fine. It had perfectly good lane keep assist and adaptive cruise control, and it was certainly better than nothing. And BMW, of course, have had similar things, obviously. Neither one of these have been anywhere near as good as what we've experienced in our Tesla. Uh, this had nothing to do with Tesla fanboyism, but the truth is it really is on a different level what Tesla have accomplished, never mind their, uh, shall we say, um, controversial full self-driving beta that they just released to the world. But but yeah, so so there's, so, huh. So, okay, so Mercedes are basically saying they're giving up. They're also, therefore, they and BMW are both giving up on their joint sort of collaborative partnership thing to develop a thing which neither one of them even do. Again, they do kind of, basic ADAS type stuff, the adaptive cruise control, the lane keep assist, blind spot monitoring, and so on, emergency braking, but they don't develop autonomous vehicle software per se. That's just not what they do. So the idea that they've partnered up to do a thing that none of them do in the first place is obviously super weird. And okay, so putting that aside though, they've now said they're abandoning everything, but here's where things get bizarre. Because again, if you if you look at autonomous vehicle tech generally, it, it, it's not like some discrete separate thing in, in isolation in the universe of technologies. It is simply at the upper bound of a spectrum of technologies, hence the SAE range of AV tech, which of course goes from kind of level one on the one hand, all the way up to level five, as you know, full autonomy, no steering wheel in the car, you can go to sleep, you can have a drink, you can do all sorts of other things. Um, 
right? And and so and so it, it, it's it's just simply the upper bound of that spectrum, autonomous vehicle technology, whether you're talking hardware or software. And so and so for Mercedes to say that they've stopped doing this stuff, that they're just simply not going to develop this anymore, I'm not even sure what that means. Because like again, by definition, if you extend you know, the logical extension to their continuously improving existing suite of driver assistance systems, you know, the logical extension is eventual, well, at least level four autonomy, and if not level five, because these do just keep getting sort of better and better. So does this then just mean that they're going to stop improving, for instance, their lane keep assist and emergency braking and adaptive cruise control systems? Are they going to just sort of stop at the really cool thing they've got now? I forget their their, their name for it, but they but I think on the S class they've got this laser scanner thing that that kind of reads the road the road surface up ahead and effectively then can actually pick out sort of dips and potholes in the road to kind of preload the suspension to kind of cancel out the bumps before it hits it, and it can adapt headlights for for kind of undulating road surfaces like hills. They can do all these really great things. I mean, does this mean that they're just going to kind of stop and that's it? They're not going to improve things any further. Alternatively, since that sounds totally absurd, are they indeed going to keep advancing those technologies, making them better and better, such that they will eventually rise to the level of, well, effectively autonomous vehicle level four standards? I I don't know. I don't know what this means. My assumption is this, though, Um, and, and it's especially supported by the notion that they've kind of gone on the record kind of announcing this to the world because again why would they do this i think this is an empty comment i i don't think it matters i don't think it's i think it's a totally inconsequential thing for two reasons first um they obviously are going to continue to improve and perfect their existing suite of adas tech you know uh, adas uh, automated driver systems systems these are going to keep getting better that development is never going to stop. And second of all, I think, okay, fine. They may indeed kind of taper off a bit and fall short of full level four and certainly level five capabilities, but this doesn't preclude the possibility of them simply acquiring or partnering up with a technology or indeed an entire company uh, which is doing this stuff. Right. And again, if this sounds vaguely familiar, well, that's because that's pretty much what everybody else is doing. Right. Again, GM did this with uh, cruise automation. Right. Ford did this with Argo. Hyundai did this with Aptiv. Uh, Amazon, maybe a sort of off base analogy here, being that they're not an automotive company, but whatever. They did this with Zooks. Um, We can just keep going. Right. So so. That's, I think, what's going to happen. I think absolutely Mercedes are going to end up partnering with or indeed potentially even acquiring uh, a, a an autonomous vehicle technology company, not one that's obviously building vehicles, but they're building the actual technology stack, whether it's hardware. Actually, I was going to say whether it's hardware or software. No, I disagree. I think it's going to be somebody doing the entire stack. And I think I have a company that comes to mind, LetterTech. I think LetterTech would be a great option. I just read an article about them in the news. And by the way, if that name sounds familiar, that's because I have discussed them uh, on the podcast. In fact, quite recently, uh, I had a pretty cool chat with with them. Specifically, it was a conversation I had with um, their president, uh, Franz Santalemi, 
Uh, really great conversation. It's episode number 159. This is back in July. Have a listen if you haven't yet. But Letter Tech are pretty great. They, they do the hardware and software stack. They um, But they have a unique twist on the LiDAR kit they build. It's it's sort of like a kit, literally, like that that they can then sell to other companies who can adapt it to their needs. Um, they, they basically provide like a Lego set of sorts for for the hardware and software to enable other companies to build LiDAR they need. I think this would be a really awesome fit, honestly, for somebody like Mercedes. I know that, um, well, in this article that I just happened to stumble across, they've announced quite transparently that they are indeed still in the red, like every good technology company tends to be until they aren't. And so they would absolutely, uh, I think, very much welcome indeed that sort of a thing. In fact, in the article, they went so far as to say that they could be the sort of next Mobileye. Mobileye, of course, went public. They got acquired by Intel. This, to me, is like the obvious next step for somebody like LetterTech. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Imagine Mercedes or BMW acquire LetterTech. Boom, they're, they're good to go. So I think that's really what's going to be happening here. Uh, let me just say, for the record, I'd be very, very surprised if at some point within the next two or three years, we didn't see this sort of a thing happening. I would be shocked, absolutely dumbstruck, if Mercedes has not announced within the next two to three years, maximum, if not within one year, that they have indeed acquired an AV tech company. And yeah, now that I say it, letter tech would be pretty cool. Uh, you heard it here first. I'm not embarrassed if I'm totally wrong about this. It's just sort of an idea that came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, so those are my thoughts on Mercedes. Uh, I think it's a weird announcement for them to make, but mark my words. Give it one to three years tops. They will acquire somebody. All right, so let's talk about AV design, vehicle design. And I know we've kind of touched on this in the past, and quite a few episodes back, I don't even have it here to look up, uh, I had a really fantastic conversation with the designer of the fantastic little Chevy Bolt. Um, really great episode, that. Uh, have a listen if you haven't yet. And, but, but, but I think I want to take a slightly different perspective on this conversation of design, which basically comes down to shall we say, more philosophy and less design. Here's what I mean. Everyone's talking about how these cars have to kind of look more living room-like and how they have to, I don't know, be a comfortable place to hang out, like sort of a mobile lounge on wheels. You know, I've seen diagrams and schematics for like, here's a place where you can uh, drink your lattes and here's a place where you can, you know, order at a bar whatever. And this all sounds good and well, but they're all kind of missing the, the, the bigger picture. They're missing the, the point. It doesn't require actually that much imagination to basically say, yeah, of course we need a future autonomous vehicle, meaning truly level five, so that there's no steering wheel, right? Obviously, these things have to be essentially mobile loungers on wheels, effectively mobile uh, hotels. In fact, as an aside, I've said for a very long time, that I think one of the things we're going to be seeing, uh, certainly in the 20 to 30 year time frame, which actually we're going to discuss more about time frames in the next third and final segment here in a minute. Um, I've been saying for a while that I think that, that what we're going to see is uh, freeway side motels. So just to pick on a few examples, say Motel 6 that you find all over the U.S., for instance. Um, these these companies, they are obviously going to be potentially at risk for going out of business in an era of autonomous cars. I mean, why would you stay in a motel if you can just 
literally sleep in your mobile living room or bedroom on wheels as it shuttles you to the other end of the state or indeed the other end of the country. Why would you do that? Well, obviously you wouldn't. And so they're not going to be able to compete with this, right? And so what's going to happen is uh, they are effectively going to have mobile autonomous car versions of their of their chain, right? So you're going to have like a Motel 6 autonomous car thing. And these will just kind of pick you up and they're going to have, and they're going to look like a Motel 6 <laughs> for better or worse. Um, or indeed other hotels for that matter. You could have a Ritz-Carlton autonomous vehicle that's like obviously the creme de la creme and it's going to drive you from A to B in opulent, you know, juicy luxury. It's going to be great. And that's what's going to happen. But 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 here's the point though, is that, it's not so much a discussion of what these cars are going to look like from a design point of view, because, I mean, there's a design, the sky is the limit, and especially if you're talking about you know, hotel companies getting into this game, I mean, they've, 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 you know, they've got design down to an art as far as <clears throat> living spaces are concerned. What it really comes down to is the philosophy of the business of the car company itself and how they are going to adapt to this new world of, of the alternative that the, the, the car buyers will now have. And here's what I mean. <clears throat> if you recognize that cars will tend to be more shared in the future and that a fully autonomous car is effectively not really a car anymore at all, as I've always said, once you delete the steering wheel, it effectively is not a car, then the question really becomes something really rather more profound. As I've said before, how does BMW keep describing themselves as the ultimate driving machine? If you don't drive it, how does Ferrari remain Ferrari if it doesn't have a steering wheel? The point is, these are mutually exclusive concepts. And so what's going to happen is precisely that it's not about automotive manufacturers adapting and indeed pivoting fully into autonomous vehicle manufacture, that's not the point at all. On the contrary, what it means is they will effectively evolve two lines of business. One will be, at least as long as law and regulation allows, it'll be the manufacture of ordinary vehicles for human drivers that will or will not be shared but they will also have a second line of business, which will indeed be these effectively these mobile home extension things. And in the same way that today you've got the option to buy a, an actual mobile home, like a big camper van truck thing, um, that's a very different line of business to a company selling, say, well, okay, actually look at Mercedes, great example, honestly. They, they build, obviously, regular vehicles, regular passenger cars, but they also build these huge, huge sort of camper van things. These are two very different lines of business. Actually, speaking of Mercedes, they actually build giant commercial trucks too, right? And, and so, but these are all very different lines of business. It's not like one steps over the other, one doesn't kind of interfere with the other. They're just completely separate lines of business. <clears throat> and that's what's going to happen. And and so this notion that, that, that kind of car companies are going to have to completely adapt and change and kind of figure out how to just totally abolish their, their current line of business, that's just not going to happen, at least not until it is literally completely illegal to drive 
to, to, to have human-driven cars on the road. Now, once that occurs, and that will occur at some point, as I've said many, many times, we'll touch on it more in the next segment, um, that is going to occur in some regions as recently as, you know, as soon as 30 to 40 years from now, and certainly in the, shall we say, 60 to 80-year time frame, many, many places will no longer allow human-driven vehicles. But it's okay, because <laughs> that's obviously a pretty long span of time. That's an entire generation. And people will have adapted their desires to, even if companies sold human-driven cars, and even if these cars were still allowed on the roads, the point is there wouldn't be a market for it. People will move away from it in as much as they moved away from owning horses for everyday transportation. And again, not saying that people don't still buy horses for fun, but that's the point. These will eventually be diminished to the point that they would be just a passive entertainment thing to do, and the entire car market will frankly shrink a lot, there'll be a lot of consolidation, and ultimately what you're going to have is indeed these sort of mobile extensions of your homes or office or mobile hotels or what have you. But so, so when the discussion comes up about design and how do you make a car be fully autonomous and comfy and plush and luxurious and pleasant and blah, 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 um, really what that's saying is once you delete the steering wheel, how do you make a really plush lounge on wheels? And all I'm suggesting is that the bigger picture, the bigger question is, how, do, how does a company kind of branch out and start to do that in parallel with its existing business? Because it's not about making your current vehicle today with a steering wheel, you know, your 5 Series BMW, your Ford, um, you know, uh, your, your, your Lincoln Navigator, say. It's not about making that be autonomous. It's about you keep that, and then on the side, as an alternative like mode of transportation, you've got this mobile lounge thing. Really, the more I think about this, and I am sort of thinking out loud, as you can probably tell, um, it really comes down to what I said before. It's like you've got a company which sells cars, and it also happens to sell camper vans, except that now it's going to be cars, camper vans, and autonomous pod things. So, so that's, that's, I think, the direction, the perspective that needs to be considered when considering the design elements of autonomous vehicles. All right, so to wrap things up today, let's talk a bit more about timelines. I don't want to get into this too much, but but I was involved with a um, a small conversation a, a couple of weeks ago. I was, I was a co-panelist on an event, uh, and one of the topics that turned up was again this 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 notion of of time frame, right? And the the general <laughs> there, there was it was a very intimate group, and it was kind of a two way conversation. It was like seventeen people, I believe, and. It was one of the most specific dates that I've ever heard given for when we can expect to have sort of the fairly widespread proliferation of level five vehicles. And the date was, wait for it, drum roll please, 2038. And <clears throat> I didn't really offer much of an opinion at that point because what occurred to me was what I'm going to share with you now, which is that I think Zeroing in on a date is a kind of, mm, I won't say meaningless endeavor, but it's a, it's a somewhat uh, misleading thing to consider. Here's why. Okay, so let's say that 2038, and by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with this. I think that's a perfectly fine number. I, I really do. I think that, you know, I've said for a long time that sort of sometime in the, the late 30s, uh, we are going to start to see kind of more widespread testing and eventual deployment of level 
five cars. And in the late 20s, early 30s, we're going to see, of course, level four um, kind of here, there, and everywhere. And they're going to be things that you and I can actually use on a regular basis. So, so I think 2038 is a perfectly fine number to peg. But, but I think it, um, it, risks, it risks kind of considering it diminishes the interim years. It diminishes the importance of the interim years to get there. And here's what I mean, right? So you look at, uh, so, so, okay, so one of the industries that we're particularly focused on within our firm is the insurance industry, right? Because obviously it's a really big question, what's going to happen in insurance? I'm not going to get into this now. It's something we've talked about quite a bit in the past, although maybe it's worth having a discussion about this again in a future episode. But but like insurance, uh, you know, it's really popular. It's really common to say, oh, insurance is going to implode and it's going to just go away and fizzle out and die. Um First, that's not very likely to occur, uh, even though it's fun to suggest that. On the contrary, I think in many ways insurance could actually really blow up in a really big way. It could actually be a fantastic boon for insurance. Um, again, that's besides you know it's beyond the scope of what I wanted to get into now. We can talk about this later. But but my point is though that this transitory period, this kind of interim time frame. Um, Again, so what that these are going to be everywhere in 2038? Uh, we need to start preparing for that now. Companies need to start adapting now. Insurance companies need to start um, planning in advance. They need to get a framework ready. And, and, and frankly, companies who delay this, if ever there was an example of don't procrastinate, it is surely this. Um, here's why. So the only thing really truly holding companies back right now I know it's popular to say it's the technology. Uh, that's part of it, obviously, no question whatsoever. But uh, it's frankly the regulation, and I'm pretty sure I've gone on the record for saying this before, but I am very optimistic that technology is going to continue to advance at a much faster pace than regulation, such that we risk being in a situation where... <clears throat> Level four and potentially even level five vehicles are ready. And when I say ready, I mean they are better than the average bear, right? So these things are out there, they're available, or they would be out there, they're available. And indeed, the crash statistics, the data shows that they are an improvement over human-driven vehicles. My concern is that these things are ready, but all the various regulatory uh, bodies here, there, and everywhere are not ready. And what's crazy about that is that, that, that what that means then is that if the technology is there and the powers that be behind all the regulatory issues that need to be sort of resolved and figured out, if they don't have all their uh, ducks in order or eggs in order, whatever the expression is, then we can say with no ambiguity whatsoever that It'll be the politician's fault for the continued loss of so many human lives due to human-driven car accidents. And, and, and so it's really important, like, you know, it, what came first, chicken or the egg, we need the regulation first. It would be a really miserably suboptimal scenario to be in where the, where the technology is ready, but the regulation isn't. And when I say regulation... I'm not just referring to the thing I've said for a long time, right? This notion of an FAVA, the Federal Autonomous Vehicle Administration. 
I'm even talking about, yeah, the insurance industry. I mean, it's going to be really, really bad if these things aren't ready to go. So, so for me, this discussion on time frame, that's great that we have a general consensus that, okay, by 2038-ish, you know, level five cars will really be amongst us. Okay, great. But that shouldn't cause people to lose, lose sight of the immediate here and now. That, that's, in other words, I'm kind of glad, actually, this is, you know, another, what, 15 years away, 18 years away. That gives us time to get things all in order. It's not going to be a binary thing, right? It's not like you're just going to flip a switch and suddenly, oh, now we are in an autonomous car world. No. In fact, as we just saw a few weeks ago, Waymo effectively ushered in this era um, when they opened up their Waymo One uh, ride program to the general public. This is indeed the first, at least that I know of, the first revenue service to involve truly driverless cars, right? These things have no backup drivers. Tesla, meanwhile, with their you know, full self-driving beta, I mean, who knows how this is really going to go? I, I uh, you know, it is Elon, so we shall see. But I mean, the uh, the era of autonomous cars has begun. So now is the time, not later, to get all you know everything in order. And so I just think it's a little bit risky to <clears throat> to just think of the the deployment of AVs as being this binary thing. It isn't. It's going to be a spectrum, and that's something really important, I think, to keep in mind. Right. Anyway, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, just a friendly reminder, if you're a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to drop me five stars on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, do check out my article on Medium at markhogue.medium.com. It's called The Dunning-Kruger Effect. Uh, this is why voting is broken in America. Hopefully you have voted, in which case, hope you're sitting comfortably for tonight's elections, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here on Friday in a very different world. Take care. Bye-bye.